There's a great song written, performed by an artist named Russ Taff. The title of the song is We Will Stand. The lyrics say, You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand why we pull away from each other so easily, even though we're all walking the same road. Yet we build dividing walls between our brothers and ourselves. But I don't care what label you may wear. If you believe in Jesus, you belong with me. The bond we share is all I care to see. And we can change this world forever. If you will join, join with me and sing. You're my brother. You're my sister. Take me by the hand. Together, we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. As long as there is love, we will stand. And they stood with black Americans in the 60s side by side, walking Hand in hand, arm in arm, voice in voice, song in song, right next to each other, step by step, in step, with a single message, we will stand. And isn't that what protest says? We will stand. At a time when voices are not heard, men have to shout. And it is the shouting that moves the pen of men in halls of legislature and politics. Was it not Thomas Jefferson, a pacifist, a diplomat, who himself declared in the war of Tripoli that what cannot be accomplished at the end of a pen will maybe be accomplished at the end of a cannon? Is that not how we stopped Hitler or Stalin or Mussolini or the British or the French and the evolution and formation of our country? Was it not how we ended slavery ultimately? Brother at another brother, the Cain and Abel. To achieve a higher purpose, Esau had to meet Isaac and determine, are we going to go on an adverse relationship? Are we? Jacob could have been vindictive towards his brother Esau. Esau had reason to be vindictive towards his brother, 
Jacob. He could have continued his animus, but they had to come together at some point. We've got to come together. At some point, we've got to let the rule of law and the actions of love prevail. But until that point, there may be protests. Yes, there always has been, always will be. Rather, it is war here with actions of incivility and protest and demonstration, or war over there to stop a desperate dictator from rampaging through a country. We all have our thoughts and beliefs about justified and unjustified actions of war and actions of protest. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X had this same debate. But in my view, it is obvious, as it should be to you, that all of it has a place. All of it is necessary. People need a place to march and voice and protest and throw barrels over a ship into a harbor and call it a tea party. They need a place to march down the monuments of Washington, D.C. and throw a hat party. And yet, it seems that every time African Americans speak up for themselves, they are mischaracterized. The racist perspective always prevails in this country that the only people that truly have the right to protest are the people that see this country as their own. And unfortunately, it seems to still be the case. It wasn't too long ago, a week or so, that people were protesting whether or not they could open up their businesses, and rightfully they should have. Whether or not they could get their hair done in a salon or get a haircut at a barbershop. Whether or not they could sit in a restaurant whether or not they could go on a beach and tan or surf or play. And obviously, the most important one, whether or not they can continue to be productive and open up their businesses and work. And then, ultimately, whether or not they could go to a church and sing with other parishioners side by side without a mask. And yet, men and women Protested. Protested. Particularly the lockdown around the beaches. That seemed to draw the biggest protests. Young people got in the streets because they weren't going to be locked down away from the sand, the sun, and the surf. But very few businesses had that same adamant, venomous vigor to go out and stand up and stand out. But a woman in Texas did, Shelly, about her beauty salon and risked going to jail and didn't care because she had a value. They did in Michigan and they showed up with rifles and guns and stormed the Capitol. But those were white people. And they were applauded on television 
heralded as heroes on conservative networks and regaled as people that were standing up for their constitutional rights. But yet a black man doesn't have the right to stand up for his right to drive down a street and not be stopped because he's black in a car that might be a 2020 vehicle. He can't go in a car full of his friends. They look like a gang or a mob. He can't walk or jog in a neighborhood as he might be construed as a potential criminal, has to be chased down by vigilantes who believe that they have the right to stand their ground. But he doesn't have the right to stand his ground, apparently. He doesn't have the same right to stand his ground and knock their blocks off for threatening his life. Because no doubt, he's probably been used to being seen himself as less seeing himself in the eyes of his perpetrators rather than seeing himself in his own eyes as God sees him. It doesn't require me to see myself as a supreme being, but it doesn't require you to see me as not a being at all. But the ultimate being requires that we see each other as he does. As your parents used to say, you both are brothers and sisters. Now treat each other right. You're not better than your sister. You're not better than your brother. Treat each other right. Now share. And if you don't learn that lesson from the supreme being, your parents, then you won't learn it from the supreme being, your God. My best friends happen to be white. My best friends. My most trustworthy confidence are white. The people that have had my back in my troubles have been white. The ones who have stood by me in my misery have been white. The ones that have shared in my vision, my dreams, my ambition have been white. They are my brothers. They are my friends my closest friends aren't black. They are white. And it doesn't require me not to see them as white. Of course they're white. And it doesn't require them not to see me as black. And as I have stood for, quote unquote, their white causes, no doubt they have stood for my black causes. Because we see each other for who we are. We love each other for who we are. We respect each other for who we are. And we care about each other and what each other are. It doesn't have to be whitewashed in order to be accepted. Accepting difference and the celebration of that diversity of color makes a great salad in life. I love my Italian friends and I love my Korean friends and I don't want them to be anything but what they are outside have no appreciation for the Korean culture. Or my Scottish friends or my Welsh friends or my Swedish friends or my Russian friends. My Jewish friends and my Mormon friends. I would have no appreciation for my German friends. No appreciation 
for my southern friends if I did not have an appreciation for myself. Because I appreciate myself. My father's heritage. My African ancestry. And then part mixed with a little bit of Irish Scottish because of the plantations of the Carolinas and the mixture of the blood with the Irish overseers. My ancestry, in part, has a high percentage of my white ancestry in my blood. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Don't have to be ashamed of it. Maybe other blacks don't see me as a pure black. No different than a eugenicist of the 1900s that did not see me as a pure human. Maybe we're struggling to be seen at all because we're not accepted, because the hair might be too curly or too straight. The skin might be too light or too dark. The height might be too short or too high. And the accent might be too thick or not at all. Maybe I'm not carrying the right book or wearing the right cross. But I'm tolerant of those that are different. I don't accept their view, nor do I have to. But I should tolerate. I should accept the fact that God has given all men the right to be different. He's even given mankind the right to disobey him. The privilege to go to hell on their own, not because he sent them. But for those of us who want to be law-abiding and loving, we don't need to cassicate each other or desecrate the methods or the techniques that people may use to feel that that is their outlet of expression. Let's relegate that as a privilege and a right to all men. Maybe you won't march, but they will. Maybe you won't scream and yell, but they will. Maybe you won't throw barrels of tea into a harbor, but they will. Maybe you're not willing to go across seas and feed indigenous tribes and live in a desert, but maybe they will. Maybe you won't shout. From the wall, top, repent, repent, but maybe they will. And maybe you will sit in a school of higher learning and abstract scholarly documents from the past, discerning and dividing and deciding what they are and how they are, but maybe they will. Maybe you won't put your eye to a microscope, but maybe they will. Maybe you won't put your eye to a telescope. Maybe they will. Or your ear with a stethoscope, but maybe they will. We have a call. We have a duty. We have a purpose. Each one in place doing his part. You want to write the song or sing the song? Or you want to be the one to tap your foot to the song? Be who you are. Give people the respect that God gives them. Don't whitewash your life, your passion, or anyone else's, whether you agree or not.
We are in an upheaval, a broken country. Because man is broken and always will be. There is no legislature that can ever be pinned that will write off and eliminate the hatred of men. Nor can any piece of legislature put into you the love of God. That is something that must occur between you and your maker. And it exceeds any document written by man, any law or bill that's passed, until the hearts are changed. And tell a man to love a black man, he won't until God gets a hold of him. Tell him to give him a job and treat him right in your office, he won't until God gets a hold of him. You can't legislate God, you can't legislate righteousness. You can't legislate civility, though you may try. Nice attempt, and why not? Better to try to do the right thing than the right thing anyway. But ultimately, that only thing can be accomplished by the only thing that accomplishes it, the change of the heart of men. It doesn't happen on paper. It happens in the mind. Now go love. Go protest. Go act. Go be the change you want to see. Because here we go again. Trying to conquer the sinner man. Sinner man. We know, as it was before, but we just can't stop till we reach one more. Sinner man. 